Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello, and welcome to the ESG Players Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik, one of the leading ESG advisors in the country. This week, we are going to be discussing the goal of achieving no poverty. There is a document put out by the UN, 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The first one in that list is no poverty. And today, Jonathan and I are going to be discussing that to get a little bit more in-depth when it comes to your investing. Jonathan, welcome. Well, thank you, Becca, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of ESG Players Podcast. I'm excited to be here to talk about ways that we can improve the world and have a positive social impact. And as Becca said, one of the areas we're going to talk about today is the first of the 17 UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals, uh, how to end poverty so that we can have a society and a global world where there is no poverty. So Becca and I are going to talk a little bit, but Becca can tell us a little bit, what do you think about the whole effect of trying to help people who don't necessarily have the resources or don't necessarily have the ability to bring themselves up from poverty? Well, it's definitely a global problem. I don't think anything has changed since the beginning of time, though. I think no no poverty, we can say no poverty, but is that really, really what's going to happen? I don't ever see that. I feel that we have so many different levels of us. And if you fall below one particular level, that's it. You're put into poverty, unfortunately. And there is a lot of people out there that that are, are poverty stricken, which is very sad. And I think it's really important that, uh, and I think we've always done this. It's really important to always continue to educate our children about poverty. And I mean, think about like when I was a Girl Scout leader, what, what did we do? You know, what did I do for the kids? I made sure that we did things, you know, in order to get some of those badges, you had to do things like that. You know, like maybe how you would collect uh, non-perishable foods and you would donate those to a food bank, or we would go and we would buy mittens and gloves and we would collect those for the holiday season, Right? right. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the most heartbreaking, uh, heart-wrenching uh, areas to think about is that um, by the year 2030, the statistics show that there's going to be 167 million children wow. who live in extreme poverty. And if we don't take some sort of action, right. both on the local level right, and a global level, that's never going to have any change and there's never any opportunity for that to go in a positive direction. It so, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. And and the sad thing about poverty is it just continues. It usually continues generation after generation because they there's they just can't get ahead. They just can't ever get ahead. They can't cut a break, right? Right. That's exactly. So I think one of the areas uh, that would really be beneficial and as you mentioned that you know, there's always going to be a certain uh, part of the global society that is in poverty. And our yeah. goal really is to figure out how can we lower that, right? Let's have an impact and do as much as we can and, and ways that we can do that. So we think about it, uh, Becca, let's talk a little bit about um, their access to education, right? Yeah. So if we think about uh, public schools versus private schools and uh, communities and uh, geographically where people live and how much access they have to education, I mean, think about how important that is uh, to be able to get ahead in 
a culture, society. Um, what if, if you don't have access to the education, right? What happens when we don't get to have access to education? Well, uh, how hard that is. You know, I do think that in general, when you bring up education, that has totally changed. Like you think about when we went to school and everybody was taught the same thing every single time. Like, you, you know, you had, you had people, good, a good example is what did I have a problem with? I had, a, mine was a simple problem, but it was a lisp. I had a lisp, which I probably still do. And I was taken out of class to go to a, a class that would help me with my S's. There were, f- there was so few things like that. Like there's so much more, like you can like go into a different, you can move to a, a, a different district so that your kid, kid can get a better education because maybe they're autistic or maybe they have ADHD and they totally are trying to help these kids now. Unfortunately, when you are also in the level of poverty with this, it makes it very difficult. But I think in general, I mean, don't you agree that the school system has really made an effort? Well, I, th- I think what we have to take into account, um, you know, if we think about it locally but also globally, is that not everyone has easy access to education and not everyone comes from a home where they get the support to make sure that they can take full advantage of the education. So, you know, that's a really key piece is you know, what can we do as uh, a society, but also what can we do as investors to see if we can improve the access and improve the ability for uh, children who are getting uh, opportunity then to get educated to take full advantage of that compared to other uh, people in society who might not have it as tough and might not come from poverty, right? Because I think you'll agree that maybe poverty really makes it harder for children to get a good education when they have a lot of other outside um, contributing factors that are influencing whether or not they can focus on their, their learning and whether or not they can focus on their schooling. And that might be great when they are in the school, but what happens when they're not at school? And how are they able then to stay focused and really take advantage and get ahead by getting educated? And then they potentially could fall behind, which then leads to a more a harsher economic reality for them down the road because they weren't able to get the education. You know, one of the other things, uh, Becca, I'd like to maybe have you give a little feedback and have a little discussion about with us is, you know, health and social services. You know, thinking about how hard it is for some people who don't have access to good health care. And what does that do to them, right? It's awful, yeah. Right? What, what, I mean, what it just makes it worse. It, it, it just makes it worse. It's a, it's a, spi- it's a down spiral, right? It, it, the, it's everything. The sad thing about poverty is it's not, it's not, they're they're starving. They're not getting health care. They're they're living in inhumane conditions. I mean, what do we have? We have all those people that are living off of the freeway in tents, and mm-hmm. we're it's cold yep. now. Now they're trying to figure out a way to build to take over a building to put all these people in there for the winter time because it'll be too cold. I don't I don't know what the answer is to fix that, but I think it's really important that everybody stays focused and aware of of constantly knowing that we need to help the people that are poverty stricken. Right. So think about if I'm a young child and I live in a household and I don't have access to uh, decent health care. And so if I'm ill or what if my parents are ill and get sick and then they don't have the ability to get good health care, how are they able to earn a living and how are they able to be economically viable? And so I think, again, that's what we're trying to figure out is are there ways that we can take our investment portfolios and our, our, our way that we want to invest our dollars and have a really good impact on giving kids 
and people access to additional education and giving our society access to good health care and social services to help lift them up. Um, but not only just on the local level of doing that, which is really important, but we also want to do it on a global level by how our investments are invested. And then you bring up a point as far as here we have this huge tent city uh, going yeah. on in Minneapolis and St. Paul, which is no fault of the people who are living there. They're in a situation where you know it's a pretty desperate situation where they need housing and the housing isn't available. And so I think another thing uh, that is really important in ending the poverty is having access to affordable housing, right? So how do you feel about the fact that some of these people, they have nowhere else to turn, right? right? What, right. what is that about? You know, and, and I don't know if you were aware that some of these, these people were living in, you know, probably Section 8 or whatever housing, but trying to get into a better space and a better living space. And they were told if they moved down into those tents, they would be moved ahead in the line to get into, a, a, you know, a different living conditions. And the really sad thing is, is they really want to. But, but God, it, it's, it's hard. You know, we all say the people begging on the corner, you know, why don't they just go to get a job, you know? And, and I know we've all heard, you know, go to Burger King and get a job. And we've all heard they make more money just standing there on the corner. So I think it's a very hard situation to figure out how to change this. It doesn't, it's like, to me, I look at it as they're just continually running uphill and it doesn't ever seem to change. And we just need to continue to take baby steps to move the progress ahead to battle poverty. Exactly. And so I think if we look at it from the perspective of what we've been talking about is um, if we're living on the streets, we don't have access for our children to have education. We're living on the streets. We we might be there because we don't have access to good social services. And then our expectation is, as we look at people who are beneath the poverty line is, well, they should lift themselves up. They don't really want to work. The reality is, is they don't have the opportunity potentially to go get a job because they don't have a, a safe, healthy place to live in affordable housing, or they don't have access to services for mental health issues, or they don't have access to get educated and maybe get a skill set. And so it's a it's a catch-22, right? They're stuck in a situation where they can't get out of poverty uh, because they don't have affordable housing or they don't have health care and they don't have social services and they don't have a skill set because they didn't get a chance to get educated. What we are trying to do, right, as an investor and as a part of our society is to have investments in portfolios that take that into account, right? So through ESG and environmentally social governance, we're saying is when I put my dollar in a portfolio, I want to make sure that the people on the street might have an opportunity to have access to these things and lift them up. And we can do that through the investments that we choose. I think you might agree that's fairly important, don't you think, Becca? Absolutely. I, I think that if we make more of an effort to pay attention to where our money goes, we don't have to write a check out somewhere. I mean, some people choose to do both. But if we make sure that our investments are going into the right areas to help the people that are in need, that's a big step for, for everybody. Yes. And so I think, again... If we talk about um, ending poverty, uh, I think the key areas that we're going to find that are playing into that is education access, health care and social services access, affordable housing access. And if our real goal is to say we want to foster people 
Um, and we want businesses and services and infrastructure to strategically work together and have a opportunity for all of that to increase the quality of life for not only our local uh, culture and society, but at a global society, then we really should be looking at that and taking advantage of that within our uh, ESG portfolios. Great. I think that this was a great show. Gave a lot of information, helping people uh, recognize poverty a little bit more. I know most people are very, very aware of it, but there are definitely people that are not. Excellent. Well, and I appreciate everyone listening in again. It's been another wonderful educational opportunity for both our listeners and you and I, Becca, to learn more about the uh, 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And next time, we're going to talk about zero hunger. That's sustainable goal number two. And what we can do not only in our portfolios, but what are some of the issues locally that are taking place that are causing hunger in our kids and in our families? Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Becca. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovacnik, CHFC, registered representative, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc., Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.